Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Thank you for listening to the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name is Danielle, and I serve as the Creative Arts Director here at Journey, but probably my favorite title is The Wife to Pastor Christian Newsom, and so I'm excited to be hosting on the podcast with him this week. Um, Sunday was message two in a six-week series called Jesus and Spiritual Foundations. We're in Matthew 7, and our message this week was called Stones and Snakes which I find very interesting considering one of those objects is not one of Christian's most favorite things in the world. Um, so welcome to many of you who are listening from around the country and around the world. You can check out this week's sermon on the JCI app on our YouTube channel and also on our website. Um, we always love it because people tune in every week to the podcast for practical ideas on growing in your faith. And at times we also focus on ways to grow as a leader and as a parent, a sister, a friend. And so we're so glad that you're here to join us today. And our hope is that we can help you to activate your faith. So our serious premise for Jesus and um, spiritual foundations is this, to learn the foundational beliefs that followers of Jesus embrace as their spiritual worldview. So my question for you is, why is it so important that our worldview be shaped by the Bible by Jesus instead of by our culture or our family of origin or our friends or the latest trend. Why is it so important that our worldview be shaped by Jesus? And if we're getting our worldview cues from the culture around us, how do we change that to instead look to get our worldview cues from the right source? Yeah, so Jesus had a friend named John. By the way, welcome to the podcast, Daniel. It's funny. I was listening to you kind of start that thinking, surely you're going to tell people um, you're my wife. So I'm glad you did. Uh, I don't know. Have you ever been on this end of the podcast? I know when you've done some of our Mother's Day stuff and some of our Ladies Bible Study, you've answered the questions. Have you asked them I before? I don't know that I've ever hosted. I feel very like, I don't know. I feel very like honored that I'm sitting over here <laughs> asking you these questions. Yes, in Ryan's chair. Ryan will be back next yes. week. Danielle, we're glad to have you. I so, also feel like I should use this opportunity since we always get used, the kids and I, as illustrations huh? in your sermons. Like maybe I should. We need to just keep moving. Sure? Yeah, I'm positive. We just need to keep moving <laughs> through the podcast. So um, the question is, why is it so important that we get our worldview from Scripture and from Jesus instead of from the culture around us? So Jesus had a friend named John. Who, who wrote a, um, who wrote a book, a biography about Jesus and his ministry. If you've been watching any of the mini series, The Chosen, you've kind mm-hmm. of see, you see their spin on how John began to write his book so that people wouldn't forget who Jesus mm-hmm. was or what Jesus did. He begins his book by saying, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the, and the word was God. And, and the, the Greek, term for word is logos. So it's what we get logic from, but it meant mm-hmm. so much more than that to the Greeks. It literally meant all all wisdom, the source of wisdom. In the beginning, there was the source of wisdom. And that source of wisdom was with God, and that source of wisdom was God, and that source of wisdom became a human being named Jesus. And he came and dwelled among us. And I think probably one of the best places to look for well, why can't we just trust ourselves? Why can't we just trust culture? Is the book of Job. Mm-hmm. So Job was a was a righteous man. 
a spiritual man, a religious man with, uh, with some religious, spiritual, philosophical, educated for their time mm-hmm. friends who, when he went through a crisis, tr- all tried to figure out who knew what was going on. And the greatest mind speaking the greatest wisdom of the day, culture trying to shape knowledge, got to the end of the book questioning God about everything. And God says, let me ask you some questions. Mm. Who keeps the stars in the sky at night? Where does, where does the rain come from? Where, where, where's the storehouses of snow? Who keeps the oceans from overflowing their boundary? Who controls the largest animals on the planet? Like God up the ante from you think you're so smart. There are things you've never even considered about the universe in the heaven, heavens in the foundations of the earth and in the might that I show just in nature. Like you think you're so smart. Can you lasso a tornado and keep it from hitting the town you live in? Like God's like, you don't have a clue mm-hmm. what real knowledge and wisdom is. Your best ideas don't even get close. Isaiah 55 says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so the Lord's ways are so much higher than ours. So I, I think at some point, Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And people say, you're supposed to be afraid of God. This is a really interesting mm-hmm. thing, by the way. Scripture says 365 different times, fear not. It also says the beginning of wisdom is to fear God. So are you supposed to fear God or are you not supposed to be afraid? Because it appears the Bible says both. The, when Proverbs says the beginning of knowledge is this, is this, fear God and keep his commandments, it's basically saying this. The beginning of knowledge is to realize there's a God, but you're not him. Yeah. The, like if you really, if you ever want to gain wisdom, here's the first piece. You got to look around you. You got to look at the heavens and the earth and you got to realize there is something bigger than me in the universe. There is a God. I'm not him. If he's out there, he's got to know how things are supposed to be, and I should do it his way. So until you're able to throw bolts of lightning or put a hook in the mouth of Leviathan, you know, the, the huge blue whale in the ocean, until you're willing to access the storerooms of snow, um, you know, or to, or to control the winds of planet earth or the oceans of planet, like until you can do those things, you better realize how truly, um, dependent you are on a higher power. You better figure out how he wants you to live your life. That's why it's so important to realize there's a God, to realize you're not him and to find out how he says life should be lived and then to trust him with that. Yeah, you and I have talked a lot. A lot of people use this phrase like my truth. and But the problem is what's the standard for truth? Because everybody's truth is a different version of truth. So I don't know about you, but for me, there's confidence in knowing there's a truth that's higher than me and that's greater than me that I can I can find the ultimate truth from and I don't have to create it as I go or as my life seasons change. Like I have an ultimate truth to follow. We believe that there is a thing called the called absolute truth, moral truth. C.S. Lewis often mm-hmm. called it the natural law, things that are always true. And those are given by an, a natural lawgiver who embodies truth. And I mean, it's a question that Pilate asked Jesus, yeah. you know, what, what is, what is, what is truth? truth? And Jesus didn't say it, but I mean, he's like, you're looking at him. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, like I am. 
and and you will see love. You know, people are now trying to define love however they want to. Mm-hmm. Scripture says that greater love has no man than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. Like a picture of Jesus is the picture of love. Mm-hmm. He is the definition of love according to the one who created the heavens and the earth. So, yeah, at some point you you just have to trust and obey and follow mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, live, live, in, live in faith. Live seeing the unseen as impossible as it sounds to try to do that through the eyes of faith. It's really good. Well, in the first part of your message, you discussed the difference between religion and relationship, which we would say should be a defining quality of genuine Christianity, this aspect of relationship. And we studied Sunday, Matthew 7, 7, which says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. You talked about how this is less about the practice of prayer and more about the pursuit of a continuous relationship. Um, you even shared the illustration of our love story of how we fell in love and began a relationship. And so as you think through your spiritual journey, what has religion looked like in your life previously? Um, and what now does relationship with God look like to you practically? Um, for those who are listening, you know, what, what do you do to continuously live in that and foster that relationship with Jesus? So Jesus earlier in the Sermon on the Mount taught on prayer, taught extensively on prayer in Matthew chapter six, actually gave us the Lord's prayer. So when you get into Matthew seven, he's not really teaching on prayer, but he gives you, he gives you these verses that I see more as relational than prayer. Basically, hey, if you need something, let me know. But these verbs, ask and seek and knock, in the Greek language are in the present imperative tense, which means they're continuous actions, which means Jesus anticipates that you will, like, ask him any time that you need something, or you will seek any time that you need something, or you will knock every time that you need something. So it's it's more a picture of, we're going to interact with each other all of mm-hmm. the time. When you look at all the world religions, uh, all the religions of the world, and you compare them to Christianity, the primary difference is most world religions uh, give you a, a framework of how you can earn your way to God or earn your salvation. It's what you have to do for God to to approve you to meet his standards. Christianity is the exact opposite. Christianity is not about earning anything. It's about receiving everything. Christianity says, God stand, don't even try to do God's standard. Jesus met it. You can now receive a relationship with him. You can receive forgiveness. You can receive love. You can receive eternal life. You can receive blessing. Uh, but those are not your responsibility to receive. Those become now your response to having received Mm -hmm. Jesus. So we don't work for Jesus. Really, we work from Jesus. Mm -hmm. The things we do that appear to be acts of religion, going to church, serving, giving, going on mission trips, serving in the community, we're not doing those because we're responsible to earn our salvation and we have to check the boxes. We're doing those because we've been given the free gift of salvation. And our response, the way we say thank you, is, is to, is to give our life again, not to, not to receive, but because we have received and in gratitude and in relationship. And for, for me in the past, religion has looked like 
um, trying to trying to be good during football season so that I could do good during football season, thinking like if I sinned less during the season, mm-hmm. God would bless me more mm-hmm. because I can earn his affection uh, instead of maybe giving that first 10 percent when you get paid as as a true expression of just radical gratitude for what God has given you to know in the back of your mind, you've been wanting that new truck and you're thinking, maybe if I give in the offering, God will give, give me some big mm-hmm. check out of the middle of no. Those are religious things. Those are, hey, how can I manipulate God to mm-hmm. serve me? That's religion. Relationship is God loves me. God knows me. God gave his son for me. And now I, and now I want to give everything back to him. Now I want to spend time with him. Now I want to get to know him. You develop a relationship with God like you develop a relationship with a person. Mm-hmm. Which I'm not totally sure how that happens in 2021 anymore. It's different, <laughs> right? I mean, we talked about it in the message when, when you and I started having a relationship. It was, it was always either face to face or at least voice to voice. We didn't live in the text world that people live in now. We had to spend long, 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 long mm-hmm. time periods with people so we could so we could develop a relationship. And when you look at how you develop a relationship with Jesus, it's the exact same way. It's time in the Word. It's time in prayer. It's time in worship. It's time in, medi- in meditation. Mm-hmm. It's training your spirit through fasting like so many of our staff and people in our church are doing right now. It's just reminding your heart all day, every day that that he's there and and developing this this trust over time by pouring in relationally, receiving relationally that just allows you to feel close, not just to the God of the universe, but to a friend Mm. named Jesus. Yeah, and it's such a beautiful picture, just the illustration of marriage, because the more time we spent together the more we kind of mutually gave to each other, the more we fell in love. And so it's a great illustration for that. So in John sixteen thirty three, Jesus told his followers, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Oftentimes the trouble and a lot of the suffering we deal with in this fallen world revolves around people we live in relationship. And so we learned Sunday that we all have people problems in life. And we asked how we could help someone struggling spiritually and how we could get wisdom spiritually for those relationships. And we learned from you that Jesus is responsive in our relationship. So how does being closer to Jesus give you wisdom and understanding to get along with people better and have healthier relationships? And can you maybe share some stories to help illustrate that for us? Yeah, so really this combines messages one and two. You, I mean, you really got to be able to live from the cross. So the people problems we talked about that Jesus mentioned in Matthew 7, 1 through 6, or, hey, sometimes you see some people who have, who have a speck in there. You see some people with some sin in their life that you want to help. You should help them. You just have to get the sin out of your own life for help them. Don't judge them. Hmm. But then he says in verse six, don't give to dogs what is sacred. Don't throw your pearls before pigs. At the same time, he's, telling you you're going to have to learn to evaluate things spiritually around people. So this this really does get into why spiritual worldview is so important. How how do you view people and people problems? How do you approach them? How do you respond to them? It really is all about spiritual worldview. So years ago, I was just going through some counseling and some coaching with a mentor of mine. And just walking, walking through some areas in life where I had just been deeply wounded by a friend. 
I mean, deeply wounded by a friend that I was going to, that I was going to have to continue to interact with moving forward from time to time. So I was kind of asking him, you know, how do I, um, how do I go through what I've been through and continue to interact in a way that's healthy and honors Jesus? Like, how is, how is that even possible? And, and like to be authentic and not just be mm-hmm. totally fake. And he said, well, the, he said, I guess the best thing about this situation is, um, he said, you can never really know how much you've hurt Jesus until someone has hurt you. Wow. He said that that's the, the best thing about being hurt specifically by someone close to you is you can never really know how much you've hurt Jesus until someone has hurt you. And when you reflect on how much Jesus still loves you anyway, just gives you a great foundation to think, well, if Jesus can love me after what I've done, Mm. they have not done to me what I did to Jesus. So I can love them anyway. Mm. So I think that's that's where the, the the foundation of not just going back to who Jesus is, not just going back to what Jesus says, but to going back to how Jesus loves us and interacts with us can change the mm-hmm. way we love and interact with others and will change the way we love and interact with others. If we stay close to him and we bring him and the cross and the gospel into every situation and relationship that we have. That's so good. Yeah. That unconditional love that he models so well, but oftentimes we, even as his followers struggle to model ourselves. Um, we also talked about, um, something else kind of along these lines in John four, Jesus told the Samaritan woman, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And yet it seems like in some Christian circles, people can tend to be all spirit where they live all from the heart, which is how the Amplified Bible describes that word. Um, and they maybe know less biblical truth about Jesus or there are those circles where it seems like they know all the truth and the facts but they don't tend to live in that spirit or heart aspect of Jesus being a person that they love and model to others. So can you have both a hunger and a knowledge about Jesus and yet a deep and abiding from the heart love for Jesus? And how do you show Jesus that you love him like that? What Jesus told his disciples, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways we show Jesus our love just by obeying what he's, what he's asked us to do by following his great commandment to love him with all our heart, soul, and mind, by following his great commission, by going into the whole world to teach him about Jesus and make them disciples, by following his great compassion to see people who are hurting and to, and to attempt to do something about it. Can, can you be more head than heart knowledge? Can you be more heart than head knowledge? Of course, and people are. Probably a lot of it is just depend, it depends on our shape and how mm-hmm. we grew up. But, but, you, but when you realize the deficiencies, you, you just need to say, hey, that is, that is an area that I need to grow in. I've seen Jesus use people incredibly who are all head and no heart. I've seen Jesus use people incredibly who are all heart and no head. And sometimes when you put those people together, you see even, both of them used more incredibly, but mm-hmm. we're getting ready to roll out a new discipleship track program in our church that has four primary tracks, a Jesus track, a scripture track, a life track, and then a leadership track. One of them is all about a heart for Jesus. One of them is getting the head knowledge that yeah. you have to get. One of them is applying those things to your life. And one of them is learning how to help other people do them. And, and we think life should, should move in that circle. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, 
don't just stay in one track your whole life, but continue to reinforce, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mm-hmm. mind, and strength. So part of it is your heart, but mm-hmm. part of it is your head, and part of it is your hands, and part of it is your spirit. So I think you want to keep growing in all those areas. So I think that this is something really fun you do with our staff, but oftentimes at staff meeting, you will sit us down and have a quiz and our staff knows about it now. They practice for it, but you'll, it might be kind of fun quiz for people to do at home. Sometimes it's, Hey, can you name all the disciples? Can you write the books of Bible? Can you list the 10 commandments? And oftentimes I think people are taken off guard that, wow, I've maybe read some of this my whole life, but I haven't really studied. I don't really have the knowledge to go along with it. So why do you like to do that? And what would be fun for people at home listening to maybe try that as a family together? Uh, I'm not sure why I do it. I, I do it probably because the way that I learn is to read and memorize and repeat. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just the way I've learned my entire life. So probably I think a lot of people... I I project that on people and think that's how they learn too. While a lot of them don't, it's it's just a fun interactive thing that mm-hmm. I that I think you know people probably should know or could know. It really came out of a USA Today study mm-hmm. that I saw a decade ago that said like eighty percent of Christians couldn't name the Ten Commandments or the Twelve Disciples, and mm-hmm. I just thought, well. We should pay closer attention to that. So yeah, we, we throw out those fun things and, you know, I, I, I just think they're, they're fun ways to kind of turn your mind on spiritually a little bit and see if you've been paying attention and, and what you know. But no, knowing the names of the 12 disciples mm-hmm. and the commandments and the 12 tribes of Israel and the books of the Bible will not make you more or less Mm -hmm. like Jesus. Just fun stuff I like to do. It is fun. And I do think it's created a hunger for some of our staff and just realizing um, they can dive into the Word in deeper ways. So one of the most powerful powerful parts of the message this uh, week was when you discussed the Father heart of God. Jesus himself called God his Father repeatedly at a time when that was really taboo, and the Pharisees almost would have considered that heretical. Um, in fact, in the last seven statements that Jesus made from the cross before his death, he opened in the first one by calling God his Father, and then in the last statement, he again called God his Father. So for us today, thinking of God as a loving Father really can change everything. Um, obviously, you're a father yourself. We have two kids. How did becoming a father change your understanding of what this really means um, the father heart of God, and how does it help you see God and maybe a fresh perspective? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, two real transformational moments in my life. One, talking with a mentor and realizing that you you really can't experience the love of Jesus until you've experienced pain from someone else, because you have to realize the pain you've caused Jesus and the love he's returned to really understand the love of Jesus. That, that was a it was a big transformational moment in my life. Another one was becoming a dad. And I've said it at our church, and I've mm-hmm. probably said it on this podcast. Um, when we had when we had our oldest, um, I just I don't know that I had ever received from anyone. Not that it was offered, but I didn't receive it because of the way I'm shaped. Unconditional love. I just always thought I had to mm-hmm. earn. And keep other people's love, including Jesus. And then I had this son, and I, you know, I just remember looking at, looking down at our son, and just thinking, um, like there's, there's nothing. He's not done anything yet to earn my affection. He couldn't lose it. It's just there's something in my father heart towards him mm. that's just all in. And I, I just at that point thought, man, if God loves me like I love our son, and the reality is he, he does times a thousand 
then I am way more loved than I ever considered that I could be loved. So that was a huge shift for me, even in interacting with our kids when they fail Mm. and loving them and seeing how God loves me as a son, even, even when I fail, uh, has, yeah, has just, has just been tremendous. Yeah, that's just a beautiful picture. Um, one of the things that we learn is that a father's job is to provide physically and spiritually and that our heavenly father is the greatest model of this. Yet Satan is always trying to counterfeit God and his biggest lie is often telling us the opposite of this. He's trying to convince us that living in relationship with Jesus will keep us from everything that we've ever wanted. Um, in fact, you and I today, we know a lot of young people um, that we live in relationship with who are trying to decide if they want to follow Jesus because they're not sure if they can experience real life if they follow him. But yet those of us who walk with him, we feel like we walk in tremendous abundance. And it is John 10, 10, you know, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come life and that you would have life to the abundance, which literally means to the overflow. So was there a time in your life when you believed or wondered if following Jesus would prevent you from having your hopes and dreams? And today, do you ever find yourself um, just slipping into any of those lies at all? How do you turn around and to remind yourself that abundant life exists only in and through Jesus? Yeah, so definitely in in middle school, in high school, perhaps early college, I mean, I saw total commitment to Jesus being, uh, offering me m- much more sacrifice mm. than freedom. Um, so yeah, I mean, as I, as I look at my past, there's certainly times where I, where I look back and think, wow, like going all in for Jesus is going to keep me from really enjoying the life mm-hmm. that I want to have. I think even as I look at my life now, and experience all that Jesus has for me, especially pastoring in our country in this mm-hmm. season. I'm aware of the tremendous sacrifice that probably awaits us in the future as people who believe scripture and stand on the Bible and stand for truth. But I think even in the midst of that, I, I don't think I'm, I'm looking for an easy life. I think what I'm realizing is the difficult, even the difficult times in life are the abundant life because they mm. teach, they teach you something about God or reliance upon God that you couldn't have without them. And I've been saying, you know, the last few weeks as I've been meeting with people, I've just had time after time, it, it's come up that listen, God does not always give you what you want, but he always gives you what you need. God doesn't always give you what you want, but he always gives you what you need. So whatever you're going through right now, you need. There's Mm -hmm. some part of your soul that needs it. And God is trying to use whatever's happening in your life or your circumstance or your culture to shape you to experience and understand the abundant life. Mm, That's good. And sometimes you can't get an, an abundant, you can't get an abundantly trusting or peaceful life. Until you go through some of the Mm -hmm. hardest stuff that anyone would possibly want to go through. But in that, you learn Jesus is still there. Mm -hmm. So I don't think the abundant life is equated with the good life or the free life or even the blessed life. But I think when we see that Jesus has come to give us life to the fullest, life at its best, he's saying, let me transform your heart Mm -hmm. so that in every and any situation, like Paul said in Philippians 4, whether you're living in abundance, whether you're living with nothing, 
you're more than content. You just realize you can do everything through Jesus who strengthens you. Mm-hmm. So I think that that John 10.10, life to the fullest, is basically regardless of the life you live, you can be full of trust in God, full of the, full of mm-hmm. the, the Spirit of God, uh, full of the hope of God, full of the joy of God because of the promises that Jesus offers and how he continues to reveal himself in all those different things. That's a beautiful thought that in all circumstances, when we have Jesus, we really have um, everything that we need. I remember you preaching a few years ago, a sermon, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And it reminded me of that as you were talking. So thank you for joining us today on the podcast. And thank you for allowing me to host this week for Ryan. Uh, We appreciate those of you who have been listening today. If you are a new listener, we'd love to welcome you. And we hope that you'll come back often for more biblical insights and for ways to activate your faith. If you're in town in the Kansas City area, we would love to have you come and attend church with us sometime in person. And if you're listening from outside the area, you can also join us for worship anytime online. Um, If you have questions or you'd love to share how this podcast is making a difference in your life, we would love to hear from you. Feel free to email us at activate at takethejourney.cc. We look forward to catching up with you next time on the Activate podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.